Listen, tomorrow the forecast does not look good, but I heard that Christians survive and thrive even in the worst of all conditions. Storms, like there's a whole bunch of imagery in the Bible. So unless your foundation is the shifting sand, you shouldn't show up. But like if you built on the rock, you should come out. Two o'clock tomorrow is the youth rally. And after you hear Ryan speak tonight, I really think that you're going to be like, okay, I definitely need to invite my friends tomorrow because God is using him in some really powerful ways all over the country and even in Canada to be able to preach the gospel to, to many, many people and people are getting saved. So it's pretty rad. Last thing I'm going to say before I bring him up is uh, in two weeks, you heard is the semi-formal. So if you have any friends that are freshmen, which you might be like, that's kind of weird, like people that are going to be freshmen, they're invited to come. If you're a senior, make sure that you definitely come. Everybody should look awesome, like dress semi-formal, because there'll be a free ice cream truck. And the only condition to gain free ice cream is that you dress some, somewhat semi-formal. Yes. Otherwise, it's free ice cream. And it's my favorite event we do all year. We get an ice cream truck, and we eat ice cream for free. It's amazing. Okay. And the Museum of the Bible Road Trip is filled up. Unfortunately, just letting you know that, Joe mentioned these other things you'll need to know. Summer retreat is going to be here before you know it. Sign up. Don't wait, okay? There should be no excuse why you're not coming on the retreat. They are amazing. All right, that's the last thing we're going to say. Next week is Impact, 730, same place. If you are a senior, though, we are starting something called Gradient, which is a new young adults ministry that I'm leading. I'm not leaving. I'm doing both. Pray for me. I don't know how I'm going to do both. But this Thursday, I'm starting it. So if you're a senior you're 18, or you're going to be in college, definitely come out to that. Okay, so without further ado, we have Ryan Reese, who's going to be speaking tonight, who's going to be challenging you on a number of different things, and I told him that you guys know the Bible, so if you can do me a favor and like, look like you know what the Bible is, just pretend, or look like you're paying attention, and then I'll, I'll feel really good about myself. Just kidding. You don't have to pretend. All right, why don't we welcome up Ryan Reese. Oh, in a second. We're showing a video first, and then we'll welcome them up. Students today face many more distractions and problems than ever before. Drug abuse, depression, broken families, self-harm, suicide are just a few of the issues they have to overcome. A 15-year-old living today gathers as much information in one day as a 15-year-old would gather 80 years ago in one year. All right, it's good. Whoa. it's good to be out here with all you guys. Thanks for having me out. Uh, my name is Ryan Reese. I want to talk to you about a couple things really quick. Let me uh, introduce who I am. Um, I am a father. Um, I'm married to this hot woman, Crystal, and I have triplet daughters. Yeah, bang. There's our family right there. So they're at home right now. They're two years old. The terrible twos is real. Real, they're giving me gray hair. So anyway, that's my family. Um, I'm going to be telling the story tomorrow about the Kill the Noise uh, tour at the Ocean Grove or wherever we're going tomorrow, down by the beach. So I'm going to save that for tomorrow. We can just flip over to the next screen if you don't mind. But tonight, I want to talk to you guys about, um, about reaching the world for Christ. And um, 
you know, really short, basically. Um, I grew up in the church, and I ran away from God for about 23 years of my life. And, just, you know, worked in the music industry and, and managed one of the professional skateboard teams, um, number one teams in the world. And basically just found myself in a place, in a hotel room after uh, 23 years of running from God, running from the call of my life, and just uh, finally, you know, ODing from, from, from drugs and alcohol and giving my life to God in a hotel room. And from that moment when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, my whole life changed. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know what that looked like, me being a Christian. You know, I do music festivals. I work with bands. I, I do product. We do footwear. We do, you know, that's who I am. I'm just like a creative person in that whole world. So I go, now that I gave my life to Jesus, where do I fit in? And what happened is God showed me his plan and his purpose for my life. And ever since that time, I've been on a mission to reach the world because the world is crazy. And, and the, the, what I'm going to talk to you guys about tonight, it's not a typical Bible study. It's just basically me putting all my, it's like basically me merging the culture, news and the culture and events with the scriptures and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I know that the world is hurting, and we have that ticket to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And I believe that sometimes we can just get um, institutionalized and not live out that, that life that we were created for. God gave us the Great Commission. He said, go out and make disciples of the nations. And you guys are the students. You guys are the Gen Zs. You, your guys' your generation is uh, there's a lot of things happening, but you guys have Jesus Christ. So all your friends that are around you at school... They don't have Jesus Christ, and they're dealing with these issues with suicide, depression, and all this stuff. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you guys this, uh, I'm just going to like just go through this message with you. Um, I don't want to scare you. It's nothing, try, I'm not trying to scare you, but I am going to tell you some events that are going on in culture, and I want to paint the picture of what's really happening, then I'm going to give you the solution. So we're just going to dive into it. Lord Jesus, I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Ghost would just show up here, God, and just draw people to yourself. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears to what you have to say to us, Lord. We love you. We're not perfect. We're saved by grace. And God, I just ask that uh, you would just empower every single student that's in here right now with your Holy Spirit, God, and draw them, Lord. And just uh, baptize me with your Holy Spirit and use... Uh, Every word that comes out of my mouth to glorify you, God, and to penetrate the hearts of everyone that's in this room. So when we leave here, God, we will be on fire and we will want to change the world for you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, cool. So tonight's going to be like a topical study. Um, I just want to show you the importance of us living out the Great Commission in these days. God gave me this wake-up message um, about a year ago. I've already done like 60 dates of it. This is probably like 61 um, but it's to encourage the church, it's to encourage you guys, and to bring into light what this generation is facing. So my heart, my heart tonight is to inform and challenge all of you guys here today, so we can all do inventories on our life as Christians, and rethink our approach on what it means to be a Christian in these days. For the last 21 years, I've been working in the music and skateboard industry. I've toured with the biggest bands from like, <laughs> from the biggest like metal bands, to like the dirty small punk rock bands, to like pop bands like Fifth Harmony. I've been on the road with all of them and uh, just spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ while I'm doing this stuff. But, um, you know, and then I co-founded the Whosoever's Movement in 2009. Um, I saw this huge need to reach the youth right where they're at. So I started preaching the gospel at concerts, music festivals. I launched large music festivals, but then I honed in into the high schools and the middle schools. So I want to bring you guys up to speed on a couple articles to kind of set the tone. But I want to first start with a video from Dr. Oz. We're going to go ahead and play it. Stop. Well, the latest breakthrough turns out one of the biggest discoveries is actually this tiny, small item. This little chip may be the next big thing. And it sounds like it's right from a sci-fi movie, but people all over the world are implanting these into their wrists. So I tried to reconvene to find out more about this cutting-edge technology and what it could mean for your life. fitness trackers, or Bluetooth headphones, it's clear that technology is not just part of our lives, it's running us. It's how we buy things, watch things, how we date, stay safe, even how we travel. Paul? Cool. We're so attracted to our devices that they're basically becoming a part of our bodies. But what if they really could become a part of our bodies? Well, guess what? They can. Meet the RFID microchip. This tiny chip, which can be implanted into your wrist, yes, I did say wrist, uses 
shift and the number is growing. The possibilities are limitless, especially when it comes to your health. Imagine you're rushed to the hospital without any identification, but with just one scan of your chip, doctors know your name, date of birth, medical history, insurance, blood type, allergies, even the medication you're taking. This chip in your wrist won't just change your life, one day it might just save it. And that's why this little RFID microchip is the next big thing. Have any of you guys seen that video yet? Does that remind you of anything in the Bible at all? Okay, yeah, a couple of you guys are nodding your head. Okay, so check this out. So the mainstream is saying this is the next big thing. They're saying it's the future. And when you look at the concept, it does sound amazing because who wants to carry paper? Who wants to carry wallets? Who wants to carry credit cards? You do? Uh, yeah, I do not. Exactly. So it sounds like a great idea, right? It's because this technology is advancing. It is, it is a great idea. They said that 10,000 people already got chipped. And I believe that the culture, the millennials, and the Gen Zs are being conditioned for the Antichrist. And I'm going to prove it. Just about um, a couple months ago, or actually a year ago now, it's been a while since I've been talking to this study, my wife and her friend, she's not, her, my wife's friend is not a believer. They were hanging out, and they were talking about this human trafficking ring that just got busted in Irvine, California. Huge bust in, like, the super safe zone in Orange County, California, in Southern California. And her friend that's not a Christian goes, man, if there's a way I could get chipped right now to bring protection and chip all my kids to keep them safe, I would literally do it today. Meanwhile, they are coming up with the technology to chip people in the future. But basically what I'm saying is that the culture, they're already totally open to it. And when you look at the video that, that the people that put that video together, it's called Darknet, the ones that are putting it together. And I would personally say this. They said that 10,000 people got chipped. It's a little bit more by now. But I would say personally, if they were to do a collaboration with Apple computers and put a big fat Apple logo on it, they would sell millions overnight. That's just a joke, but it's true. April 3rd, 2017, sfgate.com article says this. Headlines, cyborgs at work. It goes on to say, employees getting implanted with the microchip in Sweden. This was the beginning stages of people starting to get chipped in 2017. Then later on, August 9th, 2017, ustoday.com headlines in the article. It says, you will get chipped eventually. And this was talking to the United States. It says, you will get chipped it's just a matter of time. In the aftermath of the Wisconsin firm embedding microchips in employees last week to ditch the company badges and corporate logans, the internet has entered a th full-throated debate. You know what that debate is? On the blogs, it's the Christians against the non-Christians. The non-Christians, first of all, the Christians are saying, hey, that's out of Revelations, talking about when the Antichrist comes, he's going to make someone get a mark on their forehead or their right hand. And the non-Christians are saying, you dumb Bible-thumping Christian believers, or you guys are morons. What are you talking about? This is technology. So it's the Christians against the mainstream. Then March 31st, this article came out talking about Bitcoin. It's on Inquire.net. It says... Uh, can Bitcoin become a global currency? And me, I like, I, I, I read Bible prophecy, I read the Bible, I want to know what's going on, the signs of the time, so I'm always paying attention. When I see global currency, I start paying close attention, it says this, with recent research suggests that the number of active Bitcoin users is set to approach 5 million by 2019, it's way surpassed that by now. The issue or whether the cryptocurrency has the potential to become a global currency is being hotly debated in both technology and financial worlds. But what exactly is Bitcoin and could it eventually take over the world? In short, Bitcoin is a virtual digital currency that the encryptions create and manage the exchange of funds. It's basically just a digital currency. You guys probably already know about it because it blew up. Bitcoin has been successful in becoming more mainstream with companies such as Microsoft, Dell, and Tesla. Those are two major players. Microsoft, the owner of Microsoft, was one of the richest men on the planet at that time, adopting the currency, but the transactions are not just limited to big companies. With much smaller companies, you can now order flowers, pizza, coffee, and Bitcoins or casinos picked it up. And in Newport Beach, you can buy Lamborghinis with it now. So then, later on after that article came out, then July 29th, 2017, Forbes magazine came out with the headline on the front cover of the magazine. This is a financial magazine. It says the craziest bubble ever. Bitcoin has spawned a hundred billion cryptocurrency mania. It literally exploded. But why am I telling you all this information? 
Because with the Bitcoin, the chip, and the cryptocurrency, the stage is being set for the end times. I'm not here to scare you and say the end times is tomorrow and the Antichrist is going to be here. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it could. I don't know. I mean, it's up to Jesus Christ. But what I'm trying to say is I'm not saying the Bitcoin, the chip, is the technology, the Antichrist, is the exact brand that the Antichrist is going to use in the future. What I'm saying is the technology is actually here now. But where do I get it from? Us Bible-believing Christians, we go to the Bible. It says this in Revelations 13 through 16 through 17. It says this. He required, who's he? The Antichrist. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, everyone from presidents to bums to be given a mark on the right hand or the forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without the mark. What did we just see in the video? Buying and selling. It says it was either going to be the name of the beast or the number representing his name. We had Obama as president years ago. He came up with a health care system for a large part of the world called the United States. You know it. And basically what we ended up calling it is Obamacare. So this was a system, a monetary, or it was like a, uh, it was um a medical system, healthcare system for all the United States, and it was named after himself. Well, when the Antichrist shows up, his name's not going to be Mr. Antichrist. He's going to have a first and last name. And this, the scripture says it's either going to be after his name or a number representing his name. And now I know a digital currency is all made up of numbers. And if we called basically this, if he arises and he comes up with this one world system, no one could buy or sell without this mark, and he names it after his name, would that be so crazy if that happened tomorrow to the mainstream? Not at all, because we already had the Obamacare. It would be no big deal. These are the signs of the times, and this is why we must reach our generation now with the gospel message. There must be urgency with us as the church and church leaders in these last days. Jesus says this in John 4. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up or lift your eyes and look around for the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvests are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest are people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants, another harvest, and others have already done the work, and now you will gather the harvest. Our mission, you and me, are, as believers, our mission is the Great Commission. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ at such a time as this. These are not depressing times. These are the most exciting times in world history to be living. We see everything that's popping off with Israel. We see, you know, what happened at the Temple Mount. We got the Middle East, every, there, you know, rumors of wars. You hear of wars. That's all in the scriptures. You got earthquakes happening. You got rocket man Kim Jun flexing his muscle with North Korea. Now Trump's over there trying to squash the beef. You got Russia. In, in Ezekiel, it talks about how Russia is going to invade Israel. And we used to think, how in the heck is Russia going to invade Israel? Well, Russia has an Air Force base in Damascus, which is roughly 250 miles away from Israel. They could literally fly some planes over and drop bombs, and now their subs are right there. So that's Ezekiel coming to life already, Bible prophecy happening. These are exciting times. You got the chip, you got the Bitcoin, and then the, current, the culture, which I want to talk to you about now. But we, you and me, we preach the cross and the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That is the attraction of our message. We got the dope message. We got forgiveness of sins, eternal life through Jesus Christ crucified. John 3.16 says this. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, on a rescue mission out of eternity to die for the sins of the world. And anyone that believes in him will live forever, will have eternal life. And that is the attraction of our message. But what is the attraction? It's eternal life. God, if we, by believing in Jesus Christ and his son, God takes you from one side of eternity and drops you on the other side of eternity. But why is eternal life so important in these times? Because July 14th, 2017, an article comes out in DailyMail.com. The headline says, Buff Billionaires and the Quest for Eternal Life. Guess who they are? Amazon CEO, one of several Silicon Valley billionaires looking to stop aging altogether. He's worth, Amazon CEO is worth $144 billion. He literally took out Bill Gates by like $100 billion, right? Smoked him. And then, to name a few more, PayPal founder and the Google founder 
who put one billion into research and many more. You've got the gnarly smartest dudes in the world, the richest men in the world. They're all coming together and they're dumping billions of dollars and millions of dollars in the quest for eternal life to stop aging. The only problem is there is no eternal life without Jesus Christ. Jesus is eternal life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father God but through me. He is the bridge to God. This is why every school that we go to, middle school and high school, and the public schools, we preach Jesus Christ crucified and eternal life. Students are running to the Lord, you guys. I come from California. I come from Atheist Central. I'm talking like maybe 3% people that even believe that the Bible could be real or God is real. And guess what? We are seeing thousands of kids come to the Lord. We had 28,000 kids come to our events, and 22,000 students gave their life to Jesus Christ and took Bibles. Can you believe that? In like Atheist Central, this is insanity. The students are totally open to the gospel. Your friends are totally open to the gospel. Don't believe the fake news. They're all ADD'd out. They're all caught up in their devices. You guys are caught up in your devices. But guess what? I'm caught up in my devices. I got ADD. They diagnosed me with ADD back in kindergarten. They said I was too mature to go to first grade. So they held me back because my ADD, it's been around forever. You guys may be caught up in your devices, but you guys know exactly what's going on. You guys are probably more alert than your parents, honestly. So just saying, because you guys are paying attention to everything that's cracking off on this phone. You guys are more alert to your surroundings. Believe me, I'm a skateboarder. I'm a surfer. I skate, but I'm, I'm always surrounded with, like, high school students. and Because I, I skate. Everyone's at the park, right? So I'm always in that environment. I just got back from Van's Warp Tour yesterday. I'm in the mix. I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. Trust me. I get it. But I want to prove it to you. I want to show you some of the schools that we went to. We went to this school right here. This is Montclair High School. They said, Ryan, this is the worst school in the area. These are all the bad kids go. They said, good luck. I went in there, preached Jesus Christ crucified. Boom, all these kids got saved. Same thing this next school. The whole place came forward, giving their life to Jesus. These are public schools. That was the East Coast Toronto. Hold on, slow down. That was the East Coast Toronto. <laughs> this is Mexico City. I mean, dude, keep going. This is uh, San Diego right here. I mean, everywhere we go, we go to white boy schools, we go to the hood, we go to Canada, we go to East Coast, West Coast, Mexico, Brazil. It doesn't matter. Thousands of kids are giving their life to the Lord. What does that say to you? Say to you, revival is breaking out. This is the book of Acts. I believe that there is a great awakening coming, and God is going to use every single one of you to spread the gospel because your friends are completely open to it. Why? Because the students are all wrapped up in sin that the culture is saying is rad. Sex, porn, alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs, psychics, astrology, horoscopes, crystals, new age ideas. Ouija boards made a huge comeback after that movie. Homosexuality, bisexual, transgender, pansexual. Do you know what any of that is? Yes. Do you guys know what gender queer is? That's the new one that got dropped on me. This girl came up and she says, Ryan, I'm genderqueer. And she gave her life to Jesus. Genderqueer basically means you're genderqueer or non-binary. It says that you're basically the binary gender cannot be described them. They may be both another, another, all, or none, or beyond. So you refer to them as they, them, or there. So if I'm genderqueer, basically I can say I'm a guy and a girl, or I'm not a guy or a girl, or I'm both, or maybe something else, or maybe something beyond, 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 beyond. Spacey, I don't know. That's the time that we're living in. July 7th, actually, I, I'm not going to even read this one article. I, I don't think you guys are ready for that one yet. Music on the radio is like the pop radio. You can turn on pop radio, and it's like listening to pornography. The things that they're saying, it's all slang. Then we have the clothing brands, movies, TV shows, music industry, and social media pushing sex, drugs, and the occult when you just see it pop up, which is introducing them to greater ways of sinning and doing evil because there's no moral standards. Stuff that you don't even know how to do, they're seeing on their devices, and they're acting it out. This is leading the culture to anger, fear, self-harm, unforgiveness, suicide, anxiety, emptiness, hopelessness, loneliness, demonic encounters, and depression. Did you know a statistic says that Gen Z are lonelier then people in the old folks' home, even though we are a generation that are more connected than ever before, we feel isolated 
and we feel lonelier because we're not really having real life connections with people. So that's why I'm stoked to see all you guys here. July 24th, 2018, Barna Group says, atheism has doubled with Gen Z from the millennials. Time Magazine says 32% of male students and 37% of female students struggle with depression. This is why Jesus says, wake up, lift your eyes and look around. The harvest is ripe. Did you know, if, uh, did you know 50% of students say they're addicted to social media? That's just the ones that admit it. We are getting overloaded with information. This is why everyone is feeling so empty, broken, and hopeless and has anxiety. Doctors are prescribing antidepressants like Tic Tacs. Now we have a generation of zombies. Everyone's on Xanax and whatever else. The, uh, 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 let's see, you could just Google uh, overdoses at an all-time high. These are all like statistics. Google the statistics. Did you know Americans consume 80% of the world's prescription pain pills? Out of the whole entire world, out of 100% of them, Americans consume 80%. And anxiety is higher than ever. Suicide is higher. Depression is higher than ever. Does that mean that the pills are fixing the problem? They are not fixing the problem. And this is where the message gets good. But we, the church, have the answer to these issues. It's Jesus Christ. The gospel can change someone in a moment. It changed me. Jesus is the solution. I love what 1 Timothy says. 1 Timothy says this. This is trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Charles Finley writes this, we as Christians have the same commission to fulfill as did the believers in Acts. We also have the same promise of power. It is the utmost important that all Christians understand this commission to convert the world is given them to them by Christ individually. Every believer has a responsibility to win as many souls as possible to Christ. This is the great privilege and duty of all Christ's disciples, all of us. Our God-given mission is the Great Commission. Acts 1.8 says this, and Jesus said this, by the way. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere. Now, remember, there's two kinds of witnesses. There's a good witness and a bad witness. And we are, if we aren't being a good witness, then we are lacking the power. We need that dunamis power that it talks about in Acts. We need that dynamite power from heaven so we can be bold and on fire for God. But not like this little candle flame, you can be blown out. But more like an inferno. Hebrews 12, 29 says this, for our God is a consuming fire. We need God to consume every part of our lives fully and completely. We must live for Christ with no compromise, and be holy as he is holy. Remember when we mess up, there's that grace and mercy, the forgiveness of sins with the blood that was shed on the cross, washes us white as snow. We could come boldly into the, the throne of grace, but we need to live that life. we got to be holy as he is holy. Leviticus 11.45 says this, for, our, for I am the Lord, I am the one who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, that I might be your God, therefore you must be holy as I am holy. Now remember that verse? It's pulled from Leviticus. It's when God's people, before they were, God, well, they were God's people, they were in Egypt, in slavery, and God said, hey, I'm going to take you out of slavery, and I'm going to take you through the desert, and I'm going to get you to the land of milk and honey so you can live that spirit-led life that you were created for, and I'll be your God. And basically, Egypt, and he, that's exactly what he did, but Egypt represents the world. It's like when we weren't Christians, we were living in the world, and we were caught up in slavery to addiction, to pornography, to lying, cheating, whatever we were into, being too self-righteous, whatever that is. You know, when we think we're all like super Christian and we're all prideful, that's also not a good place to be. Whatever it is, God takes us out of that slavery. He takes us out of Egypt and takes us into the promised land. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I want you to be holy. I took you out of the land of Egypt. I took you out of being not a Christian, took you out of the darkness and placed you into the light so you could be holy as I am holy. God wants holiness in our life. We don't want to be like that dog in Proverbs, Proverbs 26, like the dog returns to its vomit, so the fool repeats his foolishness. Have you ever seen a dog eat its vomit? It's pretty disgusting. I used to have a French bulldog that used to do it. It's disgusting. Now, think about this. Jesus is saying, I've taken you out from that sinful life. I planted my spirit in you. Now you be holy. Don't go back into your vomit. Don't go back to that old life. I want you to be holy as he is holy. Now, remember this. The DNA to sin is selfishness. The DNA to sin is selfishness. Every time I'm going to sin or you're going to sin, it's all about me, 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 I, I, I. 
the DNA to sin is selfishness. Second Timothy, Paul writes this, but God's truth stands firm like this foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some vessels are made of gold and silver. Some are made of wood and clay and the expensive vessels are used for every special occasion. The cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special vessel for honorable use. Your life will be clean. You will be ready for the master to use for every good work. So run from anything that stimulates your youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living. Right living is basically what he's saying. Faithfulness, love, and peace. But what is the difference between these two vessels? In the king's quarters back in the Bible days, they would pop off a party. They're like, we're going to pop off a party. We're going to barbecue, get some lamb or whatever, some hummus or whatever else they do over there, right? They're going to do it big. So they invite their friends over. They're like, bring out the gold vessels. We're going we're gonna to eat. We're going to drink. We're going to have a good time. Um, we're having our family over. Bring out the gold stuff. It's going to look nice in this place, right? It's like, you know, when grandma's bought their china or whatever. So they're doing that. Then, also in the king's quarters, they would also have the clay vessels. And basically what happens in the king's quarters, they would use those clay vessels to take out the sewage water. What's in sewage water? Poo-poo and pee-pee, right? So... What Paul's saying is, if you keep yourself pure, God will use you for every occasion. If you keep yourself pure, filled with the Holy Spirit, and be holy as he is holy by the work of the Holy Ghost and the blood that was shed on the cross to keep us forgiven and white as snow, then when God wants to use you, he's going to look for that gold vessel and he's going to use you. How could God go to the vessel of pee-pee and poo-poo and go, I'm going to use him for my glory? God's not down like that. He don't roll like that. He wants holiness so he could use you and we're not perfect you guys i'm rough around the edges i don't got it all figured out you know i got a, a anger problem I'm trying to work out god healed me from my pornography he healed me from my drugs my alcohol and different things in my life but he's still he's working in me i know that all the old things in our past pass away and all things become new i know that all things are work together for good for those that love christ according to his purpose purpose so i'm chilling i'm like god let's do this like Every day I'm following you. What do you want to do in my life? And he keeps working, but I know that I want to be that vessel of gold. This is why we must live a life of holiness so we could be used by God for every good work. But how do we live a life of holiness? We must read the Bible. The Bible is God's word. It's God's voice speaking to us, and the Bible is the DNA of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the DNA of holiness. So if the DNA of sin is selfishness, the DNA of Jesus Christ is the Bible, and Jesus Christ is the DNA of holiness. 2 Timothy, Paul writes this, All scripture, that's the whole Bible, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make you realize what is wrong in your lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. So we must spend time in church, right here, in fellowship, hanging out, iron sharpens iron, reading the DNA of Jesus Christ, praying, fasting, waiting on God, and worshiping. And when I say worship, I know we can worship, the, worship God through, you know, praise. But when I'm talking about worship, I'm talking about in Luke 3, when it says that Jesus was praying and he was about to get baptized by John the Baptist, it says that he was worshiping in the original language. He was worshiping because he was bowing his will to God. So we need to worship. We need to bow our will. Jesus also tells us how to bow our will in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, he says, that if any of you want to be my followers, you got to turn from your selfish ways. you got to turn from your body appetites. Take up your cross daily and follow me. We have to bow our will. And then he goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? Jesus is like, hey, Ryan, go do you. Go do what you got to do. You're going to go live your life. You can do whatever you want, and you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. If you give up your life for my sake, you're going to save it because you're going to live forever. And then he's like, Ryan. You know what else? He's like, what does a man profit if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Is there anything worth more than his soul? If I were to ask you right now, are any of you guys selling your soul? You'd be like, Ryan, you're tripping. I would never sell my soul. Well, let me say this. Whatever sin is in our, in, that's in our life, 
that is dominating our life, and we're putting that in front of God, that is the thing that you're selling your soul for. Is it your weed problem? Is it your porn problem? What is it in your life that you're selling your soul for? Is there anything worth more than a soul, he says? No, there is nothing. Do you guys want to know the purpose in the life that you were created for? Just follow Jesus 100%. Surrender all. No compromise. Be holy as he is holy and stay connected to the power from heaven. We want the Holy Ghost. We want the Holy Ghost, not the cool ghost. The cool ghost is the compromise ghost. The cool ghost is like the Christian that wants to see how close he can get to the edge and still be a Christian. The Holy Ghost is the one that was like, goes, I don't want nothing to do with that. I want everything that God has for me. And that's the Holy Ghost. We want the Holy Ghost, not the cool ghost. And I was talking to my dad the other day about, you know, being plugged into the power from heaven, the Holy Ghost. And he says, Ryan, do you have an iPhone? I said, yeah, of course. He goes, well, what do you do with it at the end of the night? I go, I plug it in. He goes, what happens if you don't plug it in? I go, it's good for like a paperweight or something. If you have no juice in the iPhone, it's useless, right? He says, well, Ryan, he's all, that's exactly how we are as Christians. He's all, if you're not plugging into the power from heaven, you're useless. You got no power to overcome the issues and the sin and stuff that the enemy puts in front of you. We got to stay connected to the power from heaven. Jesus tells us how to stay connected and plugged in to the power from heaven. In John 7, he says this, on the last day of the climax of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted. He yelled to the crowds, and he's yelling to you today, anyone that is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare Torrents of living water will flow forth from his heart. He's talking about torrents of holy power will come down from heaven and flow out of him in and through you. He's saying anyone that is thirsty for relationship with God can come to me. He says anyone that believes I am the son of God and died on the cross and raised on the third day can have a relationship. And in return, I'm going to hook you up, but I'm going to give you the power from heaven. And when you look up that word in the Bible, it says torrents. It says torrents definition says a rushing, violent, or abundant and unceasing stream of anything. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I will give you torrents of living water, a raging, overflowing force of holy power from heaven to purge and destroy anything that is unholy in your life that will destroy you. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen a tsunami come in on the news and it's just like this gushing water, this torrent of water, and it kills animals, cats, cars, removes houses, hotels, it destroys everything in its path. That's what torrents of living water does. Now imagine giving your life to Jesus Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's like, I'm going to give you torrents of living water of holy power to come down from heaven to purge and destroy everything that's in your life that is destroying you. That's the job of the Holy Ghost, to destroy the cool ghost. Also the effects in closing of the Holy Spirit is a burning passion. For God and his word, you'll literally be feeling like Jeremiah 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 9. It says, he says, but if I say I will never mention the Lord or speak in his names, his words burn in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. You guys, I'm more on fire for God than I've ever been. And I know my mission is the Great Commission. I've been watching Jesus transform people's lives that are all around me. People that were suicidal are no longer suicidal. Girls that were cutting themselves are no longer cutting themselves. People that had no hope now have hope. People that didn't know God now have a relationship with God. This is the power of the gospel. This is why Jesus gave you and I the great commission. When he said this in Matthew 28, Jesus says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Think about how big that sentence is. Jesus, the God of the universe, says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, he's like, it's pretty much mine. What's up? I'm dominating. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach these new disciples to obey my commandments, what we have going on here. And be sure of this. I am with you even to the end of the age. But why should we go? Because Jesus Christ, our Lord, commissioned us, and it is our duty. We are planting seeds in the hearts of the tribulation states. Remember, after the rapture comes, there's going to be people that are left behind. We're given the gospel for those ones, so when Jesus comes back, they'll remember. And all those dudes and girls that rolled with the cool ghost, they'll be in that squad. But more importantly, people are on the highway to hell. Jesus said this, and he talked about hell. He referred to hell almost like 
almost 260 times in the Bible. Why? Because it is real. He says you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gates are wide, and many choose that way. They didn't, people aren't, they don't have to go to hell. Many choose that way because they don't want to deny themselves and bow their will. But the gateway to life, to heaven, eternal life, is very narrow, and the road is very difficult, and only few ever find it. Why? Because people want to do themselves. They just want to do whatever and not care about the creator of the universe. I, I lost 16 friends to suicide and drug overdose. Young kids, my, my little brother's friends, and I just hear about this crazy stuff that's happening. I started the movement in 2009. It's from John 3:16. Whosoever believes in him will not perish. We are a movement of whosoever's leading the way to reflect Christ and culture. As I continue to pub, tour the public schools and reach this generation, we are also reaching the whole rock and roll world, the UFC world, the art culture, skateboard, pop world, electronic world. I mean, you name it. We are just ambassadors just trying to reach people. But church, we need to be in the world. Not in the church. We need to be in, we need to be in the church to get discipled. <laughs> don't, don't unquote me. Church, we need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to be like Jesus and the disciples. We need to take the gospel outside the church. Jesus says again in John, Matthew 10, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. You've got to be smart. Snakes are smart. They live in the desert with no water, no legs, no feet. Let's see you survive in the desert. Snakes are smart, so we got to be wise, smart, but we got to be like a dove, the Holy Ghost. Love, peace, and grace. We need to go to the world. We got to be careful. We got to love God and people, but we need to preach the gospel and walk in grace and truth. But as I look at the church culture and what's going on in the church, it reminds me of that story in 2 Chronicles. 33, it was during King Manasseh's reign. This was one of the most evil kings that ever reigned in Israel. And what he did is in the church, imagine this, in the church, they were worshiping the zodiacs in the temple. They were worshiping the stars. They had like idols to the stars in the church, in the temple. Astrology, horoscopes, divination. They were doing witchcraft. This is in the Bible, you guys, in the church. Sorcery, psychics, they had mediums. If you're a medium, you're having a demon speak through you. In the church, how crazy is this? They had idols to the God of lust, pleasure, fertility, power, money, possessions. They even had poles to the Ashtoreth. That was the pornography back then. They didn't have uh, magazines or, or iPhones, you know, or videos. It'd be a, a statue of a woman that was, like, looking pornographic. And then they, what they would do is they would basically, they would, they, would all, they would worship this God by sleeping with each other, just everyone sleeping with each other. And then what happens when they all sleep with each other? They basically would end up having, uh, then they would end up having unwanted babies because they don't know who they slept with. So what they would do is they would worship the god of Molech. And there was a calf that they would heat red hot with his hands. And they would have these babies and they would throw them into the fire and burn them alive. Way back then. And that was the God of pleasure. They were having too much fun. They couldn't deal with their responsibility and kids. And you guys are probably asking yourselves, man, they were crazy back then, right? Well, what's the difference between now with people that are sleeping around or watching pornography? You're, watching, you're, you're worshiping the God of Ashtoreth. You're doing the same thing if you're watching pornography. And then what happens? You, your lust aroused, and you go and sleep with random people, and then you have random kids, and then they end up going to the abortion clinic and hitting the baby with the liquid fire and aborting the kid. They're worshiping the God of Molech. There's nothing new under the sun, King Solomon said. What was happening back then is happening today. It just looks a little bit different. The church is sick. And in, this, is, this is literally the end right here. The culture update. The church is Satan. They're doing after-school events. The Church of Satan, you guys. What we're doing, the Church of Satan's doing it. It's in L.A. Times. The homosexual community are the biggest and most effective evangelists in the world right now. You know how I know? Because my straight friends are more excited about Gay Pride Month than my gay friends. Right? You guys can all attest to that, right? So that's how you know they're, the, they're, they're doing a great job. The culture's being conditioned for the Antichrist at a higher pace. Satan is revealing himself. He's not even hiding anymore. But what are we, the church, doing about it? And this is the end challenge. Are we reaching this generation? Are we living out the Great Commission? Do we know the signs of the times? Are we awake? Are we looking around? You guys have been updated officially tonight. I'll sign off on that. No. Have we become institutionalized and lost touch with the culture? 
Do we only know what's happening in this bubble? You become institutionalized. You don't even know what's happening out there. But Jesus keeps telling us, go out and reach the world. Keep out, go out and reach the world. Go out. Don't become institutionalized. Are we old wineskins? It doesn't matter about age. You could be a young old wineskin. Are we Pharisees and we don't care about people? Remember the Pharisees? They were the religious leaders, but they didn't even want to touch sinners. They didn't even want to be around them. Are we living in the church bubble? Are we talking Christianese to the culture? The culture doesn't speak Christianese, you guys. You got you to speak the language of the, of the people. You know, Christianese is for in here. Um, clearly, this is not what the gospel or the book of Acts teaches. John C. Maxwell writes this. Of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times who know what Israel ought to do, their chief for 200 and all their brethren were in their command. 1 Chronicles 12, 32. One of the most popular passages in 1 Chronicles is found in chapter 12. The sons of Issachar are there described as men who had understanding of the times. To know what Israel ought to do, what a description of the law of intuition. Before Israel made a decision, they got discernment. The sons of Issachar understood, understood three key factors. Number one, the culture. They understood the population and the place where they lived. Number two, the timing. They understood the times and discerned when to move. Number three, the strategy. They knew what Israel ought to do and the steps that should be taken. How about you? Are you the sons of Issachar? Do you understand the culture, its trends, its myths, its strengths, its dangers? Do you understand in the age which we are living, in uh, its direction and general movement? And do you have the strategy to grapple with both the culture and the times? John the Baptist, Jesus, Peter, Paul, all those guys, they all had it. But John the Baptist knew this. He knew, and he was a pastor's kid. He was the son of a priest. He was in line to become the priest in Jerusalem. He didn't fit into the mold of the church. He didn't become what people thought he should be by default. He didn't become a priest just because his dad was a priest. He was an individual. He marched to the beat of his own drum. He didn't become institutionalized by the church or its styles or its traditions. He lived off the land. He was probably broke as a joke. He ate locusts and honey. You got to be broke to eat that stuff. He was unorthodox. He was radical in his approach in ministry. Warren Wiersbe writes this. John was from the earth. John was not the Christ, the prophet, nor Elijah. Neither was he a reed blowing in the wind trying to please everyone. Today's culture is marked by politically correctness. Really bad at this point. We must not offend people by disagreeing with them, with their challenging their basic beliefs. John knew nothing of such compromise. He came with the axe to cut at the root of the trees and the wind fork to separate the wheat from the chaff and fire to burn up the dead trees and the useless chaff. Our English word radical comes from the Latin word radix, which means root. With axe in hand, John was a radical who got to the root of the sin problem. He was a voice shouting in the wilderness, preparing the way for Jesus' coming. His message was straight to the point exactly how the culture wants to hear it. They don't want any fluff. He was a man of the word, prayer, fasting, waiting on God and dying to self. God had to work in him before he could work through him. He was full of the Holy Ghost and the fire of God. Jesus said this about him. John was like a burning and shining lamp. He waited for God's plan and timing until he was 30 years old. It's never too late to get it going with Jesus. He fulfilled his duty, and he lived out the Great Commission, and his ministry was a success. John and Jesus both preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the same message that we preach today. We are all voices shouting in the wilderness, and our mission is the Great Commission. In closing, that word repent. You know what that word repent means? I would hear it, and I would hate it. I'd be like, that word disgusts me. And I'd be scared of it. But when I started looking it up, you know what repent means? It's so amazing. It just means to change your heart and mind. Whatever direction you're going, I don't know. We all have stories. We're all going through stuff, you guys. And I guarantee if I had enough time to talk to every single one of you, because you know me, I, I, I've heard it all, and I've been through it all, and I don't judge anyone, and I love everyone. That's why I'm here. That's why I flew across the, the United States to come hang out with you guys on a Friday night. I got better things to do, okay? I be with my kids. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I love you guys, and this is why I do this whole high school stuff and everything. We all have junk in our life. You know, some of us think we're self-righteous. Some of us are dealing with eating disorders. Some of us are dealing with cutting. I talked to a pastor's daughter that she was like in this bubble, in the church bubble, and she was cutting. You know, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, loneliness. You guys, you know what you're going through. You know, we, I, we, we, all, we all know what, you know, we all know what we're all going through. But this is the thing. You know what repent means? 
Repent means just to change your heart and your mind. Whatever direction you're going, if you're going that direction, that life that's destroying you and you ain't happy doing it anyway, repent means just change your heart and mind and just go the opposite direction. Just go towards God. And <laughs> in simple form, it's like flip a U-E. Just do a U-turn. Wherever you're at in your life, flip a U-turn and go the opposite direction. Go to God because the eyes of the Lord, this is my life verse, 2 Chronicles 69. The eyes of the Lord search looking through the whole entire earth to strengthen whosoever's hearts that are fully committed. The eyes of the Lord <coughs> is searching through the whole earth right now at this moment, looking for whoever's hearts that are fully committed. He's not looking. It doesn't say he's looking for the perfect Christian, the, the one that does everything right. He's just looking for whoever's fully committed, and he's going to strengthen you. And whatever's going on in your life. And I want to end it like this. I just want to pray for you guys. If any of you guys maybe want to give your life to God for the first time, maybe you want to give your life back to God, maybe you walked away, maybe you're like, dude, I don't know, man. I just need something. I need God to touch my life tonight. Maybe you just need God to touch you. Maybe you just need torrents of living water to come down and fill you and baptize you and start doing that supernatural work in you in the natural realm here on earth. If that's you and you want me to pray for you, whatever's going on in your life, just do a, give me a thumbs up and I want to pray for you right now. Is there anyone here? This is where, it, this is the hard moment because this is basically where This is where you got to stand for something. If there's anyone that just wants me to pray for you, even if you're a Christian, and you're just like, I just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Cool. I see one. Anyone else? I see you. I see you too. Right on. I see you in the back too. Awesome. Anyone else? Don't look. Who cares about what people are? Do you need prayer? <laughs> this is a one-on-one -on -one thing. Do you need prayer? I see you too, right? There's nothing to be ashamed about. This is dope. I had someone pray for me two days ago. Because I need you too? Okay. Anyone else? Right on. I see you. I see you too. I see you too. I see, I see all you guys right there. Anyone else? Cool. Back there, you too? Right on. I know the Holy Spirit's working you. Just you guys reason with yourself. Do you want the real thing? Do you want the Holy Ghost? Do you want the power? Do you want to be transformed? Do you want to do something in this world? Or do you want to be institutionalized and just say the Christian talk? Be, do the thing, just kind of go along. I am a Christian. My mom and dad are Christians. I'm a Christian. I was born in America. I'm a Christian. You're not a Christian because of that. You're a Christian when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and you start living that life that you were created for. And that's the challenge that I'm challenging you guys with. Do you want the real thing tonight? Do you know that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you know you've been living that life? Is there anyone else before I pray? Cool, right on. Now. I want to pray for every single one of you guys that stuck your thumb up. And I want all you guys that stuck your thumb up to come right here, and I'm going to lay my hands, and I'm going to pray for you guys. Come up here right now. Come meet me up here. And if you didn't stick your thumb up and you want to come up here, come meet me right here, and I'm going to pray for you guys. I'm going to pray that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just come up here right here, all of you guys. Come on here. This is the dopest part of the whole night. Come up here a little bit more. We're all going to put our hands on each other's shoulder, and I'm going to pray over you guys. Anyone else back there wants to come up and pray? Before we pray? Come on, there's a couple more. We're going to wait, you guys. This is, this is amazing. This is so cool. They're still coming up, so we're going to wait, okay? You guys can come here a little bit more. I don't bite, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, right on. Cool. Right on. Anyone else? I flew all the way over here. I don't want you to mix, miss this moment unless, unless you want me to pray for you. All right, awesome. We're going to do it. So is there anyone that needs to just give their life to the Lord for the first time or back to the Lord? Is anyone here? No? Yes? So you guys just want to be, you want you? No? Okay, I'm going to just pray. For, I'm going I'm to just pray. For, I'm going to just pray. I'm going to just pray for you guys, okay? So I'm going to pray for all of you guys. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus. I pray for every single one that's up here right now, God, as, you know what, Lord, this takes so much courage. In high school, the stand, first of all, stick your thumb up and then to walk in front of everyone. It doesn't get more punk rock than that, God. 
These are the leaders that want to do something, God. So I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as they have stepped out by faith, just like when Jesus was with all, when, when you were walking on water and all the disciples were in the boat and, and they see you in there, they were scared, they thought it was a ghost and they were shook. But Peter, the brave one, stood up and goes, Jesus, is that you? And you were like, yep, Pete, it's me. But Pete, Jesus, if that's you, call me walking on water, have me step out of the boat. And you said, roll out, Peter. Come, come meet me out here. And Peter had that courage to step out and walk on water. He started living the impossible, God, because he asked you, and you said yes, and he, whatever you say yes to, you do, Lord. So as they have all come up here and stepped out by faith tonight, and they want to be filled with the torrents of living water, God, that power from heaven that is going to come down, fill them, and literally do a supernatural work and purge and destroy anything that's in their life. And it's the helper. It says it comes alongside. You plant your spirit, God's spirit, inside of them. And it's the helper that will come alongside and walk with them and lead and guide them in every aspect of their life. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you will fill them right now, Father God, from their feet to their head. I pray, Lord, that you will also, that healing power will go out. And I pray that you will heal people, Lord, of stuff that's going on in their life if there are cutters if there are eating disorders, if there is pornography, if there is addiction, if there is anything else, people that are sick, signs and wonders, God, whatever you want to do in this place, God, I pray that you will touch every single student that's here, even ones that are sitting down right now, God, ones that didn't come up here, Lord. I pray that you will touch their lives right now, Lord, and that healing power will go out and you will do a supernatural work in their lives and you will fill them you will show them the life that you were created for, God, and that you will implant the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you have for every single one in their timing, Lord, as there's 21 gifts that you will implant them. So you could use them so they can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they could, as the body of Christ, we could preach the gospel, Jesus. Jesus, you said preach the gospels, and the signs and wonders will follow. So, Lord, here we are. Use them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. That's awesome. You guys can clap. This is sick. Alan, come on up. I want to thank Alan for having me out. Thank the man, the myth, the legend. All right, why don't we give Ryan a round of applause for joining us this evening. So we have, uh, so as a, I, okay, so here's what I'm thinking. It's, uh, man, it's, it's really easy to be, like, in the bubble, in the church bubble. And I could probably, if I, if I made a bet, just knowing you, you guys probably are more in church than you are actually, like, in the world. And just, that's my theory, okay? I could be wrong. Pretty sure. Pretty sure I'm right. Um, and there's a couple of you that are, like, you're new to the church, and you're coming in, and it was weird for you, because you're like, I don't fit in at all. These people all talk a different language than me. They all, like— love the Bible, which is kind of weird to me, like, and you feel like a fish out of water. So, um, the whole thing is, it's the Great Commission, right? We're supposed to go out and make disciples, not stay in the church and wait for them to come into the building. So, it's our responsibility to be Jesus in the world. That's kind of like what we're talking about with the Sermon on the Mount. So, in our small group time, I like to talk about, you know, as Ryan's talking about this, he's living it. He's going to these music fest festivals, He's talking to all these different people that, that don't know the Lord. He's living in the world, but he's shining as a light. A lot of people live in the world, and they're consumed by the darkness. So in the small groups, I think it'd be good to start talking about why is it so hard for us to be able to build that bridge with unbelievers? Why is it so hard for us to actually get out and just meet people, to make unsaved friends, and then actually invite them to this amazing life that's called Christianity, the life with Christ? So... Be thinking about that. That's like the first question is like, why is it so hard to just do that, to just go out and be that bridge, to be that light? I mean, wouldn't you want to see a person who's like struggling, suicidal, and like you are the person who like talks to them and like, hey, I wanted to like take my own life, but not anymore because you shared Jesus with me. Wouldn't you want it? Like who wouldn't want that testimony? Who wouldn't want to be the person who's like, yeah, I just shared Jesus with this person and they're really, really depressed. And then like suddenly it just, it was lifted. It was just gone, you know? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? So I want to be a part of that. Uh, talk about that in your small groups. The other thing is really pray for tomorrow for this outreach because I don't think it's a coincidence that we have this giant storm coming tomorrow only for tomorrow, 
and it's just giving everybody one more excuse that they're not going to come to the beach. But be prayerful in your groups that tomorrow God does something amazing. And listen, if you've been listening tonight and you're like, you know what, there is that one person I haven't talked to in a long time, I know does not know Jesus, and they need to hear, consider inviting them out for tomorrow at 2 o'clock at the Youth Temple in Ocean Grove. Okay, so small group time, guys on this side, girls on this side, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and then seniors in the back. Only take about 15 minutes or so, and then uh, you'll be dismissed. And Ryan will be here for a little bit if you need to talk to him as well.